You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Spinning wheels, muting phones, you know, the usual. All the proper stuff. Dog going around in the crate behind me, of course. Or next to me. Um, we got one more wheel and a welcome in, welcome in, guys, to another episode of Broncos for breakfast every single Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. I always have to p.m. A.M. Oh my God. Nick, Nick's up oh. early. Nick, get your coffee going. Uh, 8 a.m. Mountain Time, uh, 8 o'clock or 800 military time. Uh, if we're going to go down that path. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, Broncos for breakfast. Welcome in. Welcome in. And uh, I am joined by my good friend and co host, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are you doing this fine morning, this a.m.? Oh. I'm doing good. It's one of those Thursdays. It feels like it should have been a Friday two days ago. So now that we're actually getting towards the end of the uh, of the week, it, it feels it feels right. Um, yes. It's right now is a fun time to be covering Denver. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I, it's when you've got a good roster and a ton of money, you're linked with everything. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's been it's been a it's been a lot of fun. You know, and you got two marquee names out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some good, some bad. You know, when when gen, when when top quarterbacks are being linked with your team, there's there's red flags there. What are they? Some are worse than others, but uh, it's been a uh, it's been a fun, you know, fun for me anyway. Might not be fun yeah. for everybody else watching. Going, I'm tired of this. Let's do something already. But I've had fun with it. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a uh, it's good content, and as content creators, I guess we are thankful for that. But. Uh, Man, I am. I'm also really excited about new football, real new football that we can talk about as well. Because at some point in the offseason, you kind of just uh, get in a rut. Um, never really got there, but I've, I've seen that before. Um, so, uh, guys, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow myself, Nick Kendall at Nick Kendall MHH, and you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. Uh, both dropping a lot, uh, probably on Twitter a little bit too much uh, for my liking, but uh, it's too fun. I'm addicted. What can I say? Uh, you can follow us also speaking of Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at huddle up pod guys you can join us on facebook uh facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and also facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle guys if you're joining us on youtube today please subscribe like and share obviously we really appreciate the super chats the stars the stickers etc etc but not everybody's always in a position to be uh financially giving so uh subscribing liking and sharing 100 free that's something you can do doesn't cost a thing um so we appreciate that a heck of a lot also guys speaking of youtube please go to youtube.com forward slash c forward slash scott kennedy i also just dropped it in the the chat here uh you guys can click this link right here it'll take you to scott's page and uh, let's get the ball rolling scott what's uh give, give me the, the elevator pitch what's going on right now on the channel uh, right now, I've just been doing a lot of uh, some of the old throwback stuff until I get a, a feeling for until I start wanting to do my own. It's it's easy with you, you know. We got a time, we got a schedule, but it's sometimes it can be hard to get motivated yeah. to just do stuff by yourself. Yeah. So this is this has been great for me. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to having more realistic things to talk about with the Falcons. Uh, but I want to get back into some of the best ofs and I want to start interviewing some of my colleagues across, uh, you know, a- across the, the country, but I've been doing some throwback stuff. I did Tyree Cleveland last week, uh, DK Metcalf uh, with his, uh, with his uh, spotlight from the class of 2016 that we shot five years ago. It was kind of fun to go back and listen to him yeah. who we modeled his game after. So 
Um, that type of stuff right now. And then, you know, I've always got Chelsea on the mind, Premier League football, transfer stuff. So if you ever have any questions on that, uh, you know, hit me up on, on Twitter on that. I love – I don't talk soccer with enough people, period. I Just humor me. This is for me, guys. I'm sorry. I'm selfish. Um, the Euros are starting up here, right? And I always tomorrow, love international yep, soccer. The first game. Um, who, who should we put our money on? France is going to be tough. France. France, France is going to be tough, uh, but they've got a little internal strife going right now with uh, Olivier Giroud saying, you know, mm-hmm. Mbappe is not passing me the ball enough. And, uh, you know, and and that was a team two cycles ago with all that talent. They didn't win a game. They bombed out, didn't even make the groups, uh, make it out of the group stages in the World Cup. So um, top to bottom, I think they're the best, but uh, but we'll see. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I was in. Uh, I remember being in Portland when they won the World Cup in a big gold block party. That was pretty fun. wasn't pulling for them. I was pulling for Croatia, but what can you do? Um, we got Zebulon in the house. Zebulon Foster over on YouTube. Good morning. Good morning to you, Zebulon. A Franco coming in here saying Broncos need, don't want, need Watson or Rogers. Uh, KB eighty two saying good morning, fellas at 800, 0800 military. Yeah, it's 0800. I, 0800. As, a, as a as a mash baby. Watching, uh, watching mash through the years and wondering why I had a drinking problem when I got into my 20s is they're swilling homemade gin and then going into surgery thinking that was the way to go. Uh, I'm familiar with the military time. <laughs> my grandpa was a uh, in a mash unit uh, surgeon in uh, over in Korea. So I've, I've heard all the all the sticks. He's like, oh, it wasn't really like that. <laughs> um, but uh, some of it was. Uh, good morning from uh, EJ. Good morning, Nick. It's in Scott and Broncos country. Um, we got Anthony Cordova coming in here saying good morning, Nick and Scott. Go Broncos from Arizona. Larry A. in the house saying, Nick and Scott, good to see you. Good to see you, Larry A. Um, and we got Muhammad Badri in the house with the $2 uh, super uh, over on YouTube. Muhammad, always supporting the show. We really appreciate you. Shout out to Malik as well, his uh, newborn son. Everybody, shout out to Malik in the chat as well. Uh, get the good vibes going this morning. And Muhammad says, good morning, fellas. Good morning to you, Muhammad. We appreciate you. Um, it's great to see you in here. Uh, love you for that. Um, Ashton's in the house as well. Good morning, gents. I don't know what's up with the sub, Chad. Muhammad, what's going on? It's uh, Nick. I'm Nick. That's right now. <laughs> um, we got Moron in here. Guten Morgan, uh, Nick and Scott. Uh, I think Moron might be pulling for Germany in the Euros. Peter Middleton, speaking of Euros, that turkey coming in here. Hey, all Broncos time is every time. That's right. Every single time of the day, 2401. Uh, we got some questions here. We'll get to you, KB. I see you asking some good ones. Bob Skinner in the house. Good morning, Broncos country. We got uh, Reed, Raid coming in here saying Bronco, uh, mile high salute, Broncos country. Good to see you. Franco Ruiz in the house. Good to see you. Glenn Hauser. How you doing, Glenn? Good to see you. Good morning. Um, Miguel coming in here too. Or Michael, excuse me. Michael. Uh, good morning, Nick and Scott from Broncos country or for from Broncos for breakfast. I got my mile high huddle swag. Good for you. Good job, Michael. Go Broncos. Vic's in the house too. Checking in from Houston. A Savage is in the house. I've got Joel in the house. Um, Aaron P's in the house. Um, oh, <laughs> Glenn Hauser. When did Barry White start hosting the show? Wait, being told that's Nick. Well, uh, I don't know if I appreciate that or not, but uh, that's, I'll just I, take I think it. that's pretty awesome, personally. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't listen to pop. I knew who Christina Aguilera was, but I'd never heard her sing until the first time I heard her sing. I was like, you mean that bony white chick is the one that sounds like Aretha Franklin? My God. So you sounding like Barry White is a very good thing. I'll take that. Is that the guy they make the, uh, I cannot remember. In the office space? I mean, it's like Chef. 
Chef is Barry White from South Park. That's kind of who he's yes. modeled after. Oh, man, I'll take it. I feel like my my voice is kind of low today. Um, I don't know what's going on. Um, Muhammad Badre coming in with the $3 Super as well. Double dip in today, Muhammad. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. And uh, let's get to the topic at hand. I see some good questions in here coming in, and I'm going to pin those so that way we're not going to lose those. Um, but uh, the topic out of the gate is uh, we're back in things. Deshaun Watson, um, we had an interview just recently with former Broncos cornerback and uh, – one of the best personalities in football during his time in Aqib Talib, um, interviewing Broncos safety, Kareem Jackson. And uh, Deshaun Watson was brought up. Uh, brought up. Kareem Jackson essentially said he's been talking to Deshaun Watson, telling him how great Denver is. It's a destination city, as Peyton Manning even said recently when he was inducted in the Hall of Fame. And uh, that quote, or I guess an indirect quote here is uh, that Deshaun Watson wants to be a Bronco. I know that Ian Rappaport pushed back and said that like there are many teams that he'd want to. I don't know if Denver is the team he'd like to go to, but uh, Denver is one of the teams Deshaun Watson would be interested in. But uh, here we are, back on the Deshaun Watson's uh, side of things, and uh, I don't really, I don't really know what to make of it because everything surrounding Deshaun Watson is not great. Um, he's an incredible quarterback. Uh, he's probably if there was a redraft in the NFL right now. And just for purely football stuff, I think he'd be the second guy off the board because of his age, his talent. They'd go Patrick Mahomes and then Deshaun Watson. Um, but uh, you can't ignore all the off-field stuff, and uh, it just makes it a really, really tough situation. Yeah, I mean, it, wanting to go to Denver is one thing. Being able to go to Denver is another. And we're in the legal phase now. It's like it's gone quiet. You know, something mm -hmm. goes quiet for two or three weeks. You know, we're as, as sports fans, we automatically start thinking, oh, well, it's gone. Mm-hmm. No, we're we're in the legal phase now, where they're and and that can take a long time. And the, the scary thing about Deshaun Watson's situation is is right now nobody's talking about settling. Uh, okay, but if it goes to trial, this thing's not gonna be gonna be settled till after the twenty twenty one season. So this could stretch on another year. The good news, let's let's just say you know presumed innocent innocent until proven guilty is is Deshaun Watson's still a young guy. So if he comes out of this unscathed. He didn't lose, you know, he still has a long time to play. The bad news is obvious. You know, the the bad the flip side of this is obvious. He's gonna he's gonna go away for a long time. It might not just be civil, it, there could still be criminal charges filed against him. And going up against and, and trying to, to bring someone like that in right now is it's next to impossible. I I don't think the league would allow it right now, to be honest with you. I think yeah. the league would step in and say, mm -mm, you, you can't do that right now. Um, they've had uh, I think I think four of the of the of the complaints against him have talked with the league already. Several have talked to the, to, to the police department. So there's it's, it's hands off right now. It's, it's fun to talk. It's interesting to talk about as a, a computer game. Like, wow, that's Deshaun Watson plugging into here, but we're dealing with personnel people here. And right now the person is, is going to be a tough, uh, it, it's just, it's not going to happen right now. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Gary Leeds Palmer leading the way for us. Uh, good morning, Broncos country, DB4L. And uh, thank you very much for the uh, the stars, Gary. Uh, we see you. We appreciate you. And also shout out to Todd coming in here on YouTube saying, hey, this is the first time I've been able to watch. Excited to see what's going on in my home country, Broncos country. All right, well, uh, welcome in, Todd. Uh, hopefully you'll stick around, and hopefully we'll be bringing you uh, some good stuff as well. Sent you some stars as you deserve it. Thank you very much, Peter. We appreciate it. Uh, you're the man as well. And from the comments, I'm guessing uh, Gary did too. So thank you. Yep, I know yep. a couple of, of really good contributors. We we don't see the the Facebook. So uh, when you guys see them, you know people that do that necessarily want to call themselves out. Sometimes just thank them too. So uh, you know when the community says thank you to those people, like uh, you know it happens with uh, with Pavi a lot. 
yeah. then uh, then that, that helps us as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was Hunt. Isaac Hayes. Thank you, Sir Isaac Hayes. Sir Isaac Hayes has that deep, smooth, uh, smooth jazz voice. Uh, it, it's similar. It's what reminded me of Barry White. So I think that was KB that said that earlier. So thank you. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good call. Um, did you ever see Office Space? What was the name? Was come on. You did okay. Was it Barry White that they're making fun? Like your name is Barry White, like the singer. Was that? Was no, Barry no, White? that was Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. Okay, God, yeah, that's yeah. That's like it. the first forty-five minutes of Office Space is one of the best forty-five minutes in cinematic history. Oh, that's such a good show. God, I think we've all been there. Um, but uh, okay, yes, it was Michael Bolton for sure. <laughs> um, David. Uh, <laughs> um, good morning, gents. Good morning to you as well. Jason's also in the house, um, and uh, Glenn saying, uh, when it comes to Politicking for Watson cream clearly has zero locks given. Um, you know, that's an interesting thing. You have to talk about all these players that are uh, very much towing the company line when it comes to saying the right things about the player. You know, that's my quarterback right now, whatnot. But uh, I do think it's interesting that Kareem Jackson, I don't know if it's his age or just who he is as a person, et cetera. But uh, you haven't heard him come out and being like, uh, oh, man, I love Locke. I love Bridgewater. Uh, Watson, if we got him, you know, that'd be great. Um, but uh, he's really been out here just left and right, you know, advocating uh, for Deshaun Watson coming in here. So uh, obviously if it's Locker Bridgewater, he'll, uh, he'll probably, you know, put some comments out there. Somebody will ask him eventually, but typically you don't see that from players. We Like if you pull a player aside or you talk to them one-on-one, you'll hear what they really think. But in the press conference kind of thing, uh, I think that's a little interesting. Yeah. It, honestly, it's, it sounds like someone who's out of the game. Honestly, it sounds like a former player. Um you know, so, so when you said someone's going to pull him aside, someone's going to pull him aside and say, hey, keep your mouth shut, please. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, Broncos country is pretty good at that. A little uh, pay to play sometimes, but uh, that's is what it is. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, what does this mean? OK, so we obviously have the Deshaun Watson stuff going on here. Um, all the allegations enough where it's more than smoke, right? You see a flicker at, at least, if not a full, uh, full roaring flame when it comes to all the allegations. Um, there are rumors that he is going to be on the commissioner's exempt list. Uh, so you're going to have to deal with that if you trade for him. Um, what, what do you make of all of it? Obviously, we're not going to ask you, you know, to believe him or not believe him because the, the reality is all these charges are here. I don't think the hearing is until after the season even. Um, so uh, it's, it's yeah, a tough he situation. Can't, he can't be deposed until I, I read, like, uh, there, was a, there was an article on ESPN. It was written by, um, let me see her name, uh, Sarah Barshop on June 8th. So just a couple days ago, it kind of broke all this stuff down and I was reading through it and I was like, the exempt list says that he basically is in the league, but not on a team. He doesn't count against the, he's still getting paid. Well, who's paying him? You know, if if I'm, if I'm the owner and you're going to say, you're going to, the commissioner is going to come in and say, um, he can't play for you. He doesn't count against your, your 51 man roster, but you still got to pay him. You know, I would think that the league would then step in. It's not like they don't have enough money. If you're going to pull him off of there and you're going to get a commissioner's exemption list, the NFL should keep paying him if he's going to get paid. Now, if he gets suspended, then then all bets are off. Then he's not getting paid. Um, and again, there's you can't just if it's one person. You know, for we've seen enough where this goes both ways. You know, where it's someone just trying to get money, or it's someone who has you know been abused, attacked assaulted or whatnot um you know you know I, but when you start getting the you know you start talking about dozens it, that's that's a little different you know and i think that's why this is this has a, a very different feel to it 
um, mm-hmm. with uh, with the way people are are talking about it. And you know, you like to say innocent until proven guilty, but um, you know, it means you have to be proven guilty. It doesn't mean you're innocent. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And there's you know optics as well. The Broncos have to deal with. Um, so it's a. Uh, I think it's one of those things that unfortunately for everybody involved uh, that, that it's the reality and um, that probably going to be put in a box until the next off season. And what does that mean? Um, there'll be other teams that might be interested. Uh, obviously the whole legal process has to play out. So uh, this is far from over. Um, I just can't see him being traded this cycle. I think you're going to have to wait until uh, an off season from now. And then uh, what does that mean? Like maybe Drew Locke comes out of uh, not nowhere, but Drew Locke takes massive, uh, Josh Allen leaps forward and becomes like a top 12 quarterback this year. Maybe that changes the formula. Maybe, uh, maybe the Dolphins to a tag of Ola is terrible and they use some of their draft capital, their plethora of draft capital, um, to go out and get Deshaun Watson. So, uh, things will change. Um, but we got Reese coming in here and uh, thanks to you guys in the comment section for letting us know this is the stars. Typically, I have John in the background of his little box off screen going like this. Stars. <laughs> that way, it's that way we know. Um, but uh, am I? Reese comes in and says on Facebook, uh, "Am I the only one glad that we likely aren't going to get Rodgers or Watson this year? I am hopeful that Locke slash Bridgewater will come through, and we won't need to give up the draft capital and players." Well, Reese, I don't know. You're probably not the only one who is glad, um, but uh, I think you probably would be in the minority, and that's just because of the talent, specifically with Rodgers um, and Watson before the injury. But uh, you're talking about two top. I I don't think it's actually that big of a stretch Two of the top four quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Um, if I had to rank them, they'd be right in the top four with uh, Brady and uh, Wilson being the other guys. Um, so uh, if you could get those guys in, you know, if you're giving up players and capital that, that hurts, but uh, we've seen in the league, unless you get extremely lucky or put together like that one magical season where everybody's healthy and the ball bounces your way on defense and you're stacked in other areas, and uh, let's like you have Bill Vinovich calling games against you, 2012 Broncos. Um, then, uh, then you really have to have that quarterback if you're going to make any noise in this league. And that's more apparent, more apparent than it's ever been. It's more QB driven than the league's ever been right now. Um, so uh, glad. I, I mean, I am hopeful for Bridge and Lockwater, but if I could get pre allegation or no allegation, uh, Watson or Rogers on this team. I mean, I think I, I think I'm probably in the majority here. I'd say that you got to be able to do that if you can. Well, and and I, I definitely it says here, um, you know, to give up the draft capital, and that I, I love the draft, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's part of it. I love it. I, I and it makes it easier. Let's let's take Deshaun Watson, the player, and pretend this is Madden career mode, and we're just dealing with 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 digits and not off the field stuff. It makes it real easy to make that move with Deshaun Watson. He's he's twenty five years old. You've got him for the next ten to fifteen years. Um, giving up multiple first round picks for Aaron Rodgers is it's it's you still probably do it but it's it's a little tougher to take because you know he's he's older he's on uh he's still playing at a super high level obviously MVP 45 touchdowns seven interceptions I think mm-hmm. but you know how long can he keep going can he keep going for another seven years okay great three or four and then there's a drop off and then you're not able to elevate other players the other positions around him because you've just given up two or three first round draft picks that becomes a little bit more of a question so again it comes down to what's the cost there's almost not a cost that's too much for Mm -hmm. for deshaun watson um relatively speaking i mean don't be silly but with with rogers it starts becoming okay can we build a good enough team 
with what we have that we don't need to give up all these other things. As I like to say, you don't want to you don't want to plan for the future by mortgaging the future. You know, and, mm-hmm. and the Denver Broncos are going to be around long after Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. you don't want to you don't want to uh, mortgage the future for that. But another Super Bowl ring would look nice. <laughs> that's that's true. And uh, Denver has kind of come to the place where uh, quarterbacks in their golden years uh, go off and uh, maybe win a ring or two and uh, head off into the sunset, which would be pretty awesome with Rodgers as well. Um, Victor coming in here saying, just came now. Which one would you go for, Watson or Aaron? Good morning, guys. I was like, GM. Uh, well, I guess we're playing GM here. Um, but uh, in a vacuum, without all the off-field stuff, it's Watson, but I cannot get past all the off-field stuff with Watson. Um, so uh, I probably would go for Aaron Rodgers, given what we know right now. Um, also, I think Aaron's more likely to be traded uh, this offseason than Watson as well. Um, but you make a good point there. Like I, This is a topic that we had many times when uh, – Honestly, we got pretty fortunate with the Watson stuff. Otherwise, it just would have been talking draft quarterbacks for three months leading up to the draft. Um, but uh, with Watson, I don't know if there is an actual price that you could pay to for the value on the field, given he's, what, 24, 25 years old. You can only trade three years worth of draft capital also, which limits how much you can give. Um, you know, name your price. Uh, you And people are like, oh, man, that's way too much to give. I don't think people appreciate the window you would have with a 25-year-old top five quarterback in the NFL. That would give you 10 to 15 years of great quarterback play. And every single year is a reshuffle of the reshuffle of the cards, a reroll of the dice where you can have another chance, restack the roster. And um, they're like, oh, that's, you know, whatever, 15 years. Go back 15 years in Broncos history. You know who the starting quarterback was for the Broncos? I do Jake now. Plummer. Jake Plummer. I do. I do now. Yeah. Since yeah. Uh, since doing the show, I can tell you. Yeah. It's, which is crazy, right? Like that's so, that feels like ancient history in football. But imagine having a top five, 10 quarterback for that length of time. That's how you that's how you have a chance of winning Super Bowls. It's not like putting the best team together one single season. It's having a great quarterback and a great core year after year, knocking on that door repeatedly because in a single elimination tournament tournament, anything can happen, even if you have the best team. Yeah, for me it's Watson. Um yeah. you know, if it's if it's one game, I'll take Rogers. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm looking at longevity here. You know, the first fantasy football league I ever ran was a keep keeper league. You know, I like I like this the scouting and the keeping and getting young players. Because you know they can they can sustain you for so much longer. I um, so for me, I, I'd go Watson for this season. I'd probably take Aaron Rodgers yeah. for one year. So then it depends on what you're willing to give up. Um, mm-hmm. So that that becomes a, a question. But you don't you're not getting a guy for one year. So you know Watson just because of the longevity. There's there's not that big of a difference in their quarterback play. And frankly, Deshaun Watson's 2020 season was insane. I mean, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, almost 5,000 yards on a 4-12 and team. Come on. Let's go look at the numbers on any other team that finished 7-9 or below. And you're not – no one else – I wouldn't expect anybody else to be close, mm-hmm. uh, let alone 4-12. and So yeah. he's, you know, 25 years old, three-time Pro Bowler in his first four seasons. You're going to Sean Watson. Yeah. No, that's a uh, – honestly, looking at the Texans with how good Deshaun Watson played last year, I feel like uh, – Ron, or uh, Ron Burgundy uh, when uh, backstreets the wheel of cheese. It's like, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. How could you have that poor of a record if your quarterback is playing that good of football? It's uh, it's it's quite, it's honestly an accomplishment. And then to not even have the second overall pick or the third overall pick to cash in on when you've been that bad. It's uh, my God. Uh, this is why I'm always really, really, really skeptical of uh, head coaches that also have general manager powers. Cause there needs to be like a balance of powers. Their general manager needs and to it's think not only that, it's two different skills. I mean, yeah. as a, as a coach, 
you know, you've got to develop a bond and relationship with these players, which totally taints your your uh, ability to evaluate neutrally. Mm-hmm, uh, that's true. You know, when if, if I and this is this is similar from my experience is when you're doing reporting, when you're doing reporting versus when you were doing rankings. You know, I've done reporting on recruiting and, and free agency and all that stuff versus ranking players. And when I was ranking players, I removed myself completely. You know, it's like, I don't want to meet the parents. I don't want to, you know, except to, you know, I want to observe, but I don't want to interact because it totally changed you. And it's, it's a totally different skill set. Yeah. Um, that, but, you know, one of the phrases I, I use all the time is we all have biases. So I go, oh, you're biased. Yeah, that's, that's what makes us who we are. Being able to recognize your bias and then account for it or remove yourself from it because you know you're too close to the situation is what makes you impartial. Um, and it's almost impossible to be impartial when you're coaching these guys. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. What is your uh, biggest bias when it comes to scouting? For me, it's the the height, weight, speed, length defensive linemen that have good get off. And I'll be the first to admit, I thought, uh, granted, it was probably based too much on a small sample size, but uh, Tevin, Tevin Bryan from Florida, just his get off and his strength, man, he's been an absolute bust in Jacksonville. But uh, I thought he was going to be great just because he was so athletic, twitched up and whatnot. Doesn't my my biggest me. one is probably big receivers. Okay. As yep. far as, as which way to go, I'll, I like I like the bigger receivers. Um, you know, and, and for me, it's just it's on that scale. When you're looking yeah. at it, there's there's a production scale, and then there's a, an athletic scale like line. Mm-hmm. If you're doing on a line graph, and where those two meet the highest is going to be your your best player. Yep. Um, you've got guys that are incredible athletes with low production. Jason okay? So you move them down. And you've got guys who have awesome production that aren't very good athletes. I actually prefer those guys. Because you know what you're going to get. You know, there's upside, there's this and this. But when you've got an incredible athlete that isn't necessarily producing, why? Then, then you dig into the numbers. Just like when we're talking about Deshaun Watson's 33 and 7, we know those numbers are phenomenal. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. But were they down 28 nothing? you know, in the, in, the, in the first half, half their games? And he's getting, you know, cheap garbage touchdowns down in the second quarter to make it 35 to 14. I don't know. I didn't watch enough of them to see. But maybe that's it. You know, maybe yeah. it wasn't such an amazing year. I think it probably was. But I would, before I'm going to go spend $100 million, I'm going to get a team of analysts to go look at that and say, okay, yeah. you know, what's, what's behind these numbers? Because um, you can't have the guy who's coaching them and doing all this stuff in charge of a, you know, a billion-dollar franchise and, and the players that are coming in. It's, it's too difficult you know, I and I, I say all the time, it's just, I don't want Vic Fangio thinking about free agency with the playoffs coming up. You yeah. know, I don't. You know, maybe you know tapping up a guy a little bit, and say, hey, we sure could use you next year. Be a recruiter, but yeah. you know, that's that's not your job to be out there negotiating contracts because anytime there's a negotiation, if there's any kind of give and take, neither party is a hundred percent happy. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to have to go and say, Nick, sorry, I couldn't get you that that fourth year, but welcome to the team. Now go out there and run laps. It's a conflict of interest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit surprised you uh, lean towards the production over the athleticism, given uh, this last draft cycle with uh, Jason Owe and, yeah, uh, and Spencer it, Brown, both those is, guys. <laughs> yeah. With, with, with Owe, but that's a, he busts through that list, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he's in, and, and so I'm going to do a little more research. So, yeah. okay. Is he just a combine warrior? You know, I, I go and talk to Mark Brennan at Penn state. What's he doing? I go and look, uh, you know, find out a little bit more about him. You know, why is he having low production? Well, they're running away from him. Um, the, the team wasn't very good. Um, he was still all Big Ten from the coaches because they knew what an impact he had on the game and how they had to scheme around him. Yeah. 
And back into the first round with that type of production, I think is is the right spot. I wouldn't necessarily want to throw a you know a top ten pick on him, and we didn't we didn't talk about him taking him that high. No, um, but there's there's product if it's close. See, he's not close. That's not close. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Freak of freaks. Also, his I mean, other stats were good. Like he didn't get the sacks, but like his pressure rate, his win rate, etc., were all high. So uh, let's get to Travis here, um, real quick. Travis, a friend of mine, um, going back a bit. So uh, shout out to you, Travis. Thank you for joining us today. I'm um, saying I know it's Lock slash Teddy show when it comes to the quarterback position, and I'm hoping Lock can put it together because I am not a big on Teddy. No offense, I uh, just didn't think much of him coming out of college. If Denver did go after Rogers slash Watson, I would prefer Watson. So uh, thank you for the comment, Travis. I hope you're doing well. Um, and I want to get to this comment here uh, real quick, just because he says he's, he wasn't big on Teddy in college and Scott, I know that yeah, you are on a different side of that. Um, you were big on pretty big on uh, Bridgewater, even coming out of high school. So uh, well, yeah, it's, it's different. Again, I, I would, I wanted, would want to have a little bit more of that discussion. And if you, you put it in the, in the comments, I'll, I'll go to that. When you say big, you know, Danny Warfel is to me, one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. Tim Tebow is maybe the best college football player of all time. NFL guys, it's, yeah. it's a different thing. So Teddy Bridgewater was a phenomenal college quarterback. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can be high on him going towards the next level, which I understand because you're looking at him and he's a little awkward. He doesn't do anything that's pretty except play the position. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's hard to quantify. And sometimes it's, it comes down to just being a gut feeling where this guy gets it done. And, and that's what I've always loved about Teddy he didn't necessarily always look the prettiest doing it, but he he always got it done. I, I've said the same thing about Philip Rivers. I've used this line for 20 years now because he was actually uh, an Auburn Tiger legacy and Auburn didn't offer him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't really blame them for that. I've watched this guy for 20 years and still can't believe I'll watch him throw a ball and still can't believe he's a quarterback. I mean, it's 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 one of those the, the motions are so bad. You would never tell anybody to watch him throw the ball and say, OK, I want you to do it like that ever. You know, if, if you if you guys are baseball fans, I, I've kind of compared my son to Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence is goofy looking. He does hey everything goofy, <laughs> and he's really really good. So sometimes you got to just throw all that stuff away uh, when you're evaluating, and, and that's where the production comes in. Um, you know, and if, if you're playing well enough, you will eventually elevate to that position, even if you don't necessarily get picked as high as some of the other guys who have those measurables and look good on the hoof. So they say, mm-hmm. um, you know, the money ball line from Billy Bean, he says, you know, we're not selling jeans. Now that's baseball and in, in football. You, you kind of are, you know, you can kind of tell who the athletes are when they step off the bus, but yeah. at, at the NFL level, it's, it is a little bit different. And uh, one of the questions um, has been lost in the chat for me, so I can't really pull it up or give you a shout out, but I thought it was a good one. And uh, there's a nuance to this uh, answer for me is a, uh, what does Von Miller need to do this year from a sack production um, to get a second contract from the Broncos. And I think there is a, there's a fine line here on both sides where if Von Miller doesn't play well enough, um, he's probably not back, but there also might be something where he's like, let's say he has a 15 sack season, but the Broncos are, are you going to pay Von Miller and let Bradley Chubb walk? I guess the injuries make that a uh, conversation with Chubb, but the Von Miller is going to be, what is he? 32 years old this year, 33 years old. And uh, typically for edge rushers, unless they're like the guys who are, power guys that with like massive size, they tend to fall off. There's just like a cliff that they reach because they lose that twitch and that bend. And not saying Von Miller has had it yet, but like time comes for everyone besides Tom Brady. God damn it. Um, but uh, that's a, that's an interesting conversation where let's, let's say Von has a 15 sack season. That'd be incredible. But like, if he's asking for 20 million a year for the next five years, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would pay that. And people would lose their minds 
because of that, but it's just like, it's the age. It's also because of, uh, you have Bradley Chubb on this team who is 26, 20, 25, 26, um, 27. So he's still got a lot of good football in front of him, assuming he's healthy. Um, so, uh, that's a good question. I think it could go either way. Um, if Vaughn has 10 sacks, it, he could come back, but I think for Von Miller, he's going to determine it more than the Broncos are. I think if he wants to come back, and a lot of that depends on the quarterback. Like, let's say the Broncos go with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, and they both blow chunks this season. Um, <laughs> I think Von Miller is going to be out of here. I think he's going to go somewhere where he can, his last two, three years of great to elite play, um, he'll go somewhere where he can get win a ring because I think he's had enough of the, uh, he would have at that point had enough of the world of suck that has been uh, trudging around in the AFC West without a quarterback. So for them, it's changing a little bit, which I'm thankful for. Uh, but NFL contracts have typically been a series of one-year extended option years for the club options anyway. What, what I mean yeah. by that is if you sign a three-year deal, you may only play one and get cut the next two. Yeah, I think Von Miller at his age is probably going to be on one-year deals. If he comes back, it'll be a one-year deal. And, and the thing is, is if, if another $20 million at 33, then he that, – that'd be great. So, again – if someone offers him three years with, you know, three times the money guaranteed, you know, a three year, $60 million guaranteed contract, you, you say, thank you, Vaughn. It's been awesome. Good luck. And we, we appreciate you. But I, I would expect him to still be getting one year offers as well, as long as he's playing at a, at a, at a decent level from the Denver Broncos would be my thought. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. And uh, coming back here to uh, the Deshaun Watson stuff and the trade for him. Um, this has been a rough stretch. We have been on the Denver Broncos. Um, if we trade the Broncos for Watson and you give up all the capital, do you want to be in the same boat later down the stream? And uh, it's maybe a similar boat, but it's a different boat because the first question, when you look at a team uh, that I look at, when I look at a team is uh, do they have a good enough quarterback? If yes, you move them out of the next year. You can ask those secondary tertiary questions. If no, all right, we'll see you next year. Good luck. Um, that's, that's really, it's the defining factor for if a team is going to have a chance or not. And that's a reason, unfortunately, um, for, uh, and obviously the Broncos have a good uh, young weapons, one of the best secondaries in football, Chubb and Von Miller should be very fun this season, but uh, it's a reason that a lot of the media and NFL analysts and a lot of very intelligent analysts, you know, you get mad at them when they don't talk good about your team, but like guys have been doing it very well for a long time. They look at the Broncos they're like, this is a good team. I have no idea what I have in the quarterback position here. Odds are it's probably not good enough. So uh, putting the Broncos in the bottom doesn't mean that's going to be their fate because the football has not yet played out. But it's really that's the first when you look at a team. I think quarterback is the first thing you look at. And uh, that's a reason that uh, you do trade for Watson. Are you going to be in the same boat? Maybe you're struggling a little bit, but you're going to have 10 to 15 years to figure it out. And um, you have the most important question emphatically answered. And that's, again, all this talk about Watson. I want to emphasize it's in a box that's it's football related because right now I think he is untouchable. And, and, uh, and Miguel, I'm going to answer it a different way. Also um, think about your, how much money does a first round draft pick take up? Who's unproven. Now you're mm-hmm. not having to pay that. Um, yep. you're, you're not having to pay that. And when you've got an elite quarterback, you end up getting all of these veteran cut rate deals that the Patriots have been getting for the last 10 years. Yeah. These guys coming in that play at a high level the last two or three years who are looking for a ring, who are good pros, who are smart pros, who are system guys, and you're getting them for cheaper because people want to come and play with a quarterback like that, who want to come for a chance to win. So, you know, you give away a couple of first-round draft picks, and in the short term, 
I don't think it hurts. It, it's it's worth it. But the the, the yeah. bottom line is it, it ends up being worth it. And there's ways you can get that talent back because you become a more attractive destination for free agents. And you've got the money you're not spending on those draft picks, which amounts between 10 and 12 million a year on free agency. Yep. That's not all bad. Nope. I mean, the, just an anecdote here for uh, this example is uh, the Broncos, when they had Peyton Manning, Emmanuel Sanders was literally in Kansas City's facility ready to sign a contract. And then the Broncos called him and they're like, wait a second, I get a chance to go play with Peyton Manning? See you, Casey. Like, I'm, <laughs> they're going to pay me equal money or even slightly less, but I get to go play with Peyton Manning. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, no offense, Alex Smith, Andy Reid, good guys, whatever. Peyton Manning. So uh, that's that's kind of what you hear. That's what you'd have here. Um, but uh, it is an interesting topic here um, for sure. And I have a lot of people in here asking, um, well, uh, you going for Watson, you going for roll with Drew, et cetera, et cetera. We, you have not had a very strong stance yet on the Broncos quarterback position battle just because um, we haven't had real football to analyze, which is that's fine. Um, but a lot of people I feel are pulling for Drew because it is the that's if Drew wins, it's the best case for the Broncos long term, which I agree with. But let's say Bridgewater does win because Drew Locke is 2020 Drew Locke again this season and all the talk about improving accuracy, working Peyton Manning is just talk, doesn't come to fruition on the field. That doesn't mean that this team needs to, uh, you know, punt uh, totally on the season because I think this team with Bridgewater can be very good. And you've uh, you've had personal experience uh, with Bridgewater, et cetera, and watching him play in high school. So what does this team look like? The positive outlook. Let's say Drew Locke struggles and uh, Teddy takes over. What's the positive outlook for this team with uh, Teddy Bridgewater leading the helm and uh, pushing them through the AFC? Uh, Teddy's number one job is going to be to get the ball to his playmakers. He's not going to be the playmaker. He's going to get the job to get the ball to his playmakers. Um, You put him in a four wide uh, or, you know, four receivers up there. You got no offense. You got a basketball team out there, someone in the slot, good running back behind him and just turn him loose. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's just effective. Yeah. Um, but he will, he'll put the ball in the right spots. You know, he's not going to make the, the Aaron Rodgers type of throws where, you know, I remember one of the first times I watched Aaron Rodgers put up 50 on Atlanta. I was like, if someone was making those throws against me in Madden, I'd be pissed off and call him a glitch person. Yeah. Um, you know, doing those kind of things. He's not going to be that guy, but he's, he's effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't taken a strong stance because he's not a no doubt, you know, no. Teddy Bridgewater isn't a no brainer. So if, if Drew Locke elevates his game, then he, he absolutely can win the position. Teddy Bridgewater is, isn't a long-term answer. So yeah. you know how, how we've talked about uh, Bridgewater is if Bridgewater wins a job, 2023, he's, he, he shouldn't be the quarterback. He shouldn't be the quarterback in 2023. You might get it this year, might get it next year while you draft and develop a guy for 2023. So who's going to be the guy in 2023? It's either going to be Locke. Or, or it's going to be someone else. Teddy Bridgewater is brought in as insurance in case Locke does not step up. And it's a very good insurance policy. Yeah. I mean, he's been a average ish quarterback in his high years. And he's just hard to talk about too, because that injury really derailed him, right? Like that's it's what would he be right now? If he didn't have the injury, he still does not have the, the arm talent or the athletic tools of those elite elite quarterbacks outside of Tom Brady, who, um, whose arm has gotten like stronger over time, which is pretty f- fun and wild to watch. I hate Brady, but uh, that's interesting. Um, but uh, I think the way this team is set up right now, you do not need uh, Aaron. You do. I mean, it'd be nice to have Aaron Rodgers. You do not need Aaron Rodgers out there to uh, to run a functional offense. You just need somebody who can be the pilot, right? Just just drive the ship. It's going to be fine. Get the ball to the playmakers. You got enough of them. Don't make mistakes. 
and uh, lean into the defense, lean into the running game. Is that enough to take this team over the hump in the AFC West with the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Justin, Justin Herbert? Maybe in a single season, right? Like anything can happen if you put together a good enough roster over the next decade. That's not a formula to win a majority of the AFC West titles, but in one season, it could happen for sure. Um, and this is the team right now. Everybody's like, uh, oh, we already know what Bridgewater is. Play lock. Well, guys, this is coaches right now. They're fighting for their job, right? Like Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, everybody in here right now, they're trying to win. And I think that uh, George Payton also has a shine for um, a lot of the coaches right now. I think he really does like Vic Fangio. I mean, just look at all the moves he made this offseason. A lot of it is empowering Vic Fangio and this defense. Um, and also sometimes even like on a little bit more uh, short term or immediate. Like if he, if George Payton was thinking really long term with this team and like, oh, well, let's just move on from Vic Fangio probably would have taken Justin Fields. You're probably not seeing him pay Kyle Fuller to this one-year contract because he could have kicked that money back or signed a younger player, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of moves that are empowering Vic Fangio. And that, to me, also means that even though finding out what Drew Locke truly is is probably maybe better for this team long-term, that's not exactly the viewpoint that this, uh, this franchise has right now because too many people are on this do-or-die season. Yeah, and uh, Ashton calling me out on uh, on Cortland Sutton because that's why I usually just say Cortland because I trip over his name all the time. So apologies, it will not be the last time I mess up his name. Um, yeah. I actually thought there was a we'll, – we'll get to, to Reese's question. If we get Watson in 40-plus million salary cap, that changes the entire business model. So it isn't just losing draft capital players. We won't be able to keep some of our upcoming uh, starters, too, on second contracts. Um if you get 40 plus million extra in salary cap and yeah, that's part of it. We, we had the discussion on Tuesday about the receiver position and, and, you know, who do you keep Patrick um, or Hamler, you know, who's, who's coming up on contracts, Sutton, Cortland Sutton, uh, you know, who's, who's going to be on a contract too. But it, the thing is, is it's not going to be just who else can you bring in? You're going to be paying your current guys more, all of them across the board. You've got more money. Everybody's got more money. So it's oh we got forty million we can bring in two two more extra you know three more twelve million thirteen million dollar guys mm, not necessarily the the agents are going to want a bigger chunk of that for their current clients as well so you know uh, I agree with you on that one we won't be able to keep some of our upcoming starters on second contracts it's going to be like that no matter what so um, if you get Watson and all that cap you've got it now what I what I look at it now is here's the roster you have here's the cap space you have. Does one guy coming in and eating up all that cap space make a difference for this team? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Worth Especially it. Especially if it's a quarterback. Yeah, going back, worth it. Yeah. It changes the formula uh, a bit for sure. And you will have to be more frugal with uh, your quarterback, but are your uh, draft picks later on and you need to hit them. But uh, great quarterbacks, they cover up holes. You know, it's like it's the leaky dam um, situation where, you know, a good quarterback, they have 20 fingers, right? And if the dam is leaking, the great quarterback can put their, their finger in that dam and uh, they can cover up a lot of those holes and uh, take you farther. But, uh, you know, that's uh, haven't seen that here. I mean, uh, this is a good uh, anecdote as well, even though even when Peyton was bad towards or not bad, but uh, struggling towards the end of his career, Broncos offensive line the year they won the Super Bowl and most of Peyton Manning's career was not better than the Broncos offensive line was last year or this year. Didn't matter that much. Right, even twenty third, I would take the Broncos' offensive line this year over that incredible offense from uh, twenty thirteen. When the quarterback's that good, they can overcome those things because they are the they dictate offensive flow, they dictate where the ball goes, pre snap, post snap, et cetera, et cetera. 
you don't have to be, have the best offensive line in football or the best set of weapons in football when the quarterback is that good. It doesn't hurt, but uh, yeah, no, I, I like uh, I like the running game, you know, to, to help take some of that pressure off and, and remove some of the predictability. But yeah, you know, getting in the the pre snap checks, uh, getting rid of the ball in a hurry, the the vision, you know, having three hundred sixty degree vision, it helps um, mm-hmm. for for sure, without a doubt. Yep. And uh, this is Charlie coming in. He's not talking to us, but I do think this is interesting. Um, when we point out Drew hasn't been, uh, when we point out why Drew hasn't been more successful, people say excuses. So what makes us different for Teddy? Those seem like excuses as well. And uh, Tommy was talking about uh, playing with different receivers and whatnot. I think the biggest thing that uh, puts Teddy in a different category is just that that knee injury is different than many players had. I mean, there is talk of him not walking again, right? Let alone playing football with how serious that uh, that injury was. Um, and pe- like players, I'll offer, I don't won't forget when Teddy got injured. I remember watching on NFL Network, like Vikings players on their knees, like sobbing because like not only did they think they had a young franchise quarterback, they were going somewhere as uh, potential Super Bowl contenders that year, but they loved Teddy as well. So uh, it's a, I think it's a little bit different. And if the knee thing is an excuse, then uh, everything's an excuse then. But uh, I, th- I want to push back a little bit against that one. The other stuff, for sure. But the knee injury, well, and, that's, and, puts them in a different box. And again, we're, we're coming in not talking about this is the difference maker. You know, so what are what are your expectations? Again, you know, no one has said that Teddy Bridgewater is a huge upgrade on Drew Locke coming in. What we're what we're what we've said is that he can he's a he's a competent quarterback. He's he mm-hmm. can play, and it, it the the phrase that Nick uses all the time is it raises the floor of how bad your play can be, which, which is which is good. If if you if you're we're not saying that he's going to go out there and be a top ten quarterback. Um, so again, what are your expectations? Yeah. For him, for me, I expect competent quarterback play with the Denver Broncos this year. Competent. Yep. And the way this team is set up right now, that's really what you need. You don't have to have perfect team. I mean, it's a very young offense, young weapons, but uh, that's a, that's another thing here where people, I don't think, um, put enough credence in it when talking about this uh, quarterback position battle is you have a young offense and these guys, it's kind of like what you saw with uh, the development of Eric Decker, Julius Thomas, uh, Demarius Thomas going from Tim Tebow, Kyle Orton, et cetera, to Peyton Manning. These young players, they need reps and positive play and consistency to grow, to reach their ceiling, right? Like if you go out there and you have inconsistent quarterback play, poor quarterback play, you're capping the development of Cortland Sutton, of Jerry Judy, of Noah Fan. Like they're still going to get better, but they need to be put in position where they can improve. And a lot of that depends on the quarterback being able to execute the offense, put them in the right spot, having the knowledge to do that and making the right reads. So uh, it's not just about figuring out what you have in developing the young quarterback. That's the best case scenario, but you also don't want the quarterback play where it's uh, an issue to the extent where you're not developing the young offense around those guys. Cause that's really important for this team uh, going forward, given how young and talented and the investments the Broncos have made on the offensive side of the football. And we've uh, got a it, all of a sudden the the supers are starting to to roll in. Uh, uh, Broncos seventeen and zero. Why not? Why yeah. not seventeen and zero? Uh, appreciate you going going with the the super sticker. Uh, TD Randell sending some love. Certainly appreciate that. And Dale, sorry guys, my phone was in my pocket. Uh, hopefully you can still hear us because you know we're not we're not much to look at. You know, plain <laughs> and simple. So you know, I was wondering turn what off the monitor and there. keep the speakers up. Um, and, uh, or, or just, you know, listen on the headphones, you know, with that, with that smooth, very white voice of, uh, of Nick and my just a twang, a Southern drawl. 
from me. We're uh, we're, we're much we're, we we're, we got faces for radio anyway. But uh, thanks everybody. This uh, coming coming and rolling in as we're getting into the the final quarter hour of Broncos for breakfast. Yeah, I, uh, faces for radio for sure. I uh, since Michael Strahan has uh, fixed his teeth. I think I think I maybe I'm going for the most famous gap in football now with the uh, <laughs> the teeth there. Come on, Gap, sponsor us. It'd be fun. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, it'll be a lot of fun. I have a question earlier. Anybody that's been impressing you in camp that you have not heard uh, that much about at this point? A couple names I want to throw out and uh, give a shout out to Scott as well for this one. Apparently, Tyree Cleveland has uh, been impressing. He's kind of uh, down the depth chart a little bit um, farther. Uh, obviously, the Broncos wide receiver core is very talented. They've invested pretty heavily in it. Um, but uh, Tyree Cleveland is a guy who's making some noise this year, and that's something to be expected. And I want people... I put out a meme the other day or a tweet the other day where uh, people ex- expectations with draft picks versus reality, where it's uh, when people draft somebody, they want the JG Wentworth right now cash now versus where really it's investment. It's stonks, you know, st- stonk up. You got to be patient. You want to get those dividends later on. And Tyree Cleveland coming in a second year, talented player needed to get all his stuff together um, on and off the field. But uh, Tyree Cleveland second year, this is when you're hoping to see that jump. And it's also with Jerry Judy too. Like you're hearing a lot about Jerry Judy right now, just cooking a lot of the, defensive backs farther down the depth chart just embarrassing them and uh second year for wide receiver historical data says that's the year you really find out about these guys and we saw that with Cortland Sutton too like a lot of people just burying Jerry Judy for last year data says year one for wide receiver you know they're getting their feet wet blah 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 year two is when you kind of figure out where they're at and uh it sounds like it's going to be good for both Tyree Cleveland and Jerry Judy haven't heard as much about KJ Hamler because the uh the hamstring but um it's good news for the Broncos depth at wide receiver that's one standing out Michael Ojemudia is another one. Kyle Fuller has not been there as much. Um, Ojemudia, kind of a forgotten man last year, uh, but uh, he's been playing pretty well. And uh, at some point this year, you're probably going to have to lean on the depth of the cornerback room. Even if he's the fifth cornerback, he'll probably be getting starting reps somewhere down the 17th game season. And uh, apparently he's been quite impressive, looking very comfortable out there in this defense. So I'm excited about that. Well, and and there was a comment earlier. I don't remember who it was. It was definitely one of the regulars, Tommy, Charlie, or uh, or even maybe Jeremy or someone talking about that. There's the receivers are coming out more polished and more ready than ever, and and they are because starting in middle school, they're playing football year round now, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the South. You know, the the, the Texas seven on seven league is actually their their summer league that finishes with a state championship is almost as big. It's probably the second third biggest sport behind basketball and. And the regular yeah. football, so they're playing year round. They're playing in these these AAU, so to speak, uh, seven on seven tournaments all the time. They're playing football year round for seven years now, um, so they are ready. However, it's still a huge jump from yeah. college to the NFL, and the space, the the spacing, the phys- the physicalness of the of the corners, uh, it's still a huge jump. It used to be the data was a uh, third year for the receivers. I-, I think with the acceleration of them of of their development. Now you're looking at a second year, but rookies are still rookies and they're not all going to take off. And sometimes we look at someone who does the exception to the rule and we think everybody should be like that. Well, there are exceptions for a reason. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Jerry Judy in in year two. And I certainly certainly wouldn't want to write him off for sure. Yeah, I know. He's going to be good this year Um, as long as he can get uh, stay healthy. And uh, the quarterback can put the, put the ball at the right time, the right place. It should be good. Um, we have another com- one coming in here from Dale. Um, Jerry and the other young receivers should improve a lot when you consider the return of Cortland Sutton. That definitely helps a lot. The Broncos have three really good pass-catching weapons that uh, a lot of teams should be envious of. And Jerry Judy, obviously, although kind of a, some hindsight there last year. The Broncos in the 2019 draft, they went from the 
10th pick to the 15th pick when uh, Shelby Harris batted down that football uh, for the two-point conversion. And uh, I will say I- I'm very happy about Jerry Judy, but if the Broncos were picking 10th, I think they would have had Tristan Wirfs. And uh, as an Iowa boy who loves Tristan Wirfs, I probably would rather have had that reality, even though the Broncos would have lost to the Raiders, but uh, is what it is. But I'm excited about Jerry this year. And Noah fan, man, he is a, I think he is a guy. Obviously, it's a position that is, again, dependent on the quarterback, but I think he has a chance to really bust out this year, man. He is young, talented, and if he can stay healthy, look out. Um, question earlier. Oh, go let ahead. Me, uh, let me, I wanted to comment on Dales real quick because, uh, you know, uh, our regulars have heard me say this before, but I, lo- I look at the wide receiver core like I do a bullpen in Major League Baseball. When your number one goes down, so Dale, I, I agree with you for this very reason. When your number one goes down, everybody else is elevated to a spot they might not be ready for. So you didn't just get weaker at one position. In theory, you got weaker at three or four positions because two goes to one, two just got weaker, one just got weaker, et cetera, et cetera. So having Sutton come back, and if he ends up coming being 95% of what he was before, and there's there's no real reason to think he can't with his age and, and his skill set not being a, a 5'11 twitch receiver, uh, that, that he can help everybody else take some of that pressure off and everybody else should get better too. So that was a good comment. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, and uh, we had a comment earlier, too. I wanted to get to this one. If the Broncos were uh, pushed either direction and they had to move on from a uh, a Jerry Judy or a Bradley Chubb um, to uh, make a trade, whether it be Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, et cetera, et cetera, or the pain one, um, as good as uh, Jer- I think Jerry Judy is going to be, I think it's much harder to find yourself a uh, Bradley Chubb. Not only is he a more valuable position, but it's just wide receivers in general. And also the Broncos, I think they have their number one, right? And Cortland Sutton. And uh, if you want to draft a number one wide receiver, you still can look in the first round. That's fine. But if you're looking for two or three or four, you can find those guys day two almost every single year. Um, So I would probably, if I was pushed to move on from either Jerry Judy or Chubb, depending on what I feel about the injury with Chubb, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. I don't know there. Um, But I would probably keep Chubb and uh, move Judy just because edge rusher is more valuable. It's a harder to find that guy. And uh, if I, let's say also in this situation, not only am I trading Judy, but I'm also trading first round picks as well to bring in Aaron Rodgers or whatever, it's going to be really hard to find yourself a quality edge rusher. If you don't have those first round capital compared to a wide receiver. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way w- without a doubt. Sacks are much harder to get on than, than, than people who can catch the ball. I mean, they're, they're, they're just are, you know, when you, when you talk about guys who are getting double digit sacks, they're, they're just a whole lot harder to find. And if you've got one of those guys, you, you don't let them go. Yeah. And uh, Benjamin coming in here uh, saying, Nick, what are your thoughts on Eric trickles thoughts on Chubb and his skepticism? I need to, Hear the specifics here because I don't know exactly what Eric said, so I don't want to assume. Um, skepticism on Chubb. If it's the, is he going to be healthier? Is he always going to be dealing with injuries? That's a question. Um, where they also, if you're putting like, I don't expect Chubb to be a uh, a Von Miller type, right? Like that's a first ballot Hall of Famer, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think Chubb is in the uh, Ryan Kerrigan boat where you're looking at like eight to ten to twelve sacks a year. Um, a power player who's uh dictating uh pass blocking schemes as well that you have to pay attention to. And uh, if you have anybody else out there on the defensive line that can rush the passer or uh, good coverage, he can get home, but he's not a, uh, you know, he's not a era defining defensive talent. Doesn't make him not a good player though. Well, and Air Mason came in here saying that Justin Fields is getting praise in the OTAs. I, I would expect that, you know, I, I would expect that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a really talented player. Um, again, you won't know what you've got from Justin Fields until the other team's trying to bury him under the turf. Um, and, and there's going to be growing pains for all these guys. Uh, even, you know, Trevor Lawrence, who's as good a quarterback prospect that I've seen since, since uh, 
why am I drawing a blank? Guy that retired from the Colts, Stanford guy, came oh, out of Andrew, Texas. Andrew Luck. Thank you, Andrew Luck. Getting old. Um, my worry with him is, is can they protect him enough? Can they can they protect him enough to uh, to to build something around him before you you get it? So we're not going to know what we got with Justin Fields right away for sure, and mm-hmm. especially not during OTAs. But I, I would expect him to look really good at this point. I know that he had two uh, snaps fumbled in a practice recently, but uh, you know, going from a shotgun, more heavy shotgun based offense, working with a new center as well. I mean, that, that exchange, that could have been the center's fault also, who knows? Um, so hard to say, but uh, Justin Fields is a talented quarterback. I'm pulling for him. Um, I have a lot of friends who are bears fans, given that I am from uh, Eastern Iowa and uh, man, you guys, we feel like we've been in a bad situation with quarterback play over the last five years. Bears have never seen, I mean, Jay Cutler had some pretty good seasons there. Jay would have put in, more work they, they could have had something pretty special there but uh alas so I, i'm pulling for the bears and i'm getting a little bit tired of the uh the pack the packers dominance hopefully that'll be coming down uh coming down here in a little bit um so uh and benjamin saying um about uh chubb uh eric trickles comments on chubb saying uh, he essentially says that chubb's best stats came from only a couple games jets game etc and that his performance doesn't show the volume people think um i think that's this i have a nuanced answer here because of course um that's true but also that's the case for edge rushers Everybody. in general, right? That's Everybody. just how the position works, right? Mm-hmm. Like look at wide receivers. Oh, uh, Julio Jones had a game where he only had one catch for 10 yards, but then he had a couple where it was 10 catches for 150 yards. That's kind of how it works for that kind of position, right? Like you're not going to have, obviously you'd rather have a guy who has a hundred yards a game, um, but uh, that's just not really how it works. You're going to have explosive games where they're picking on somebody. Um, I feel like that was kind of a, this is the comment also for Cleo Mack when he absolutely baptized Michael Schofield in the 2015 season and had like four or four and a half sacks in that one game. Well, he still had four and a half sacks in that one game. Sometimes there's going to be games like that. Um, so uh, I think that's just the reality of the edge rusher position. I mean, you go back and look at Von Miller too. I mean, he has games where it's been two or three sacks and then uh, he'll have a stretch of zero sacks. Uh, that's just, that's the nature of it. Well, and, and base case has a, an interesting uh, comment here. If we get Deshaun Watson, would you talk yourself into liking him just like Steeler fans with Big Ben? Um, the power of bias is unbelievable. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to speak for anybody or everybody in this, but yes, fans will root for guys in their jersey colors and in their jerseys, and they will make excuses for their behavior on and off the field and start using whataboutisms and all that kind of stuff. And right if he on. is playing, yeah. then he's been cleared for yeah. the most part. You know, I mean, otherwise, because the stuff that he's being accused of, if, if if it ends up sticking, he ain't coming back. So yeah. if, if he's playing for Denver Broncos, then he's been he's been cleared for from all that stuff. So that's also something to think about. But the, the power of bias is uh, is unbelievable. I, I, I just was watching, uh, you know, we're talking I was thinking when y'all were talking about the uh, the, the Packers and their dominance, I was like, I kind of like the Vikings. And for as much as I like the Vikings, I like dislike the twins that much because they had some real a-holes on their team and it just reminded me it's like ryan braun and i forgot who that other guy that was always getting in fights i'm like just proves that if you put jerseys on you, you guy once a guy puts your you, you'll root for anybody for the most part that uh that's wearing your jersey you want them to succeed and you want to like them even if they're unlikable look no further than uh any time on twitter you see tyree kill mentioned in the comments and who did some just allegations of absolutely horrific things um, and, uh, the comment section, um, from chiefs fans, right? Like, it's just like, that's, that's probably, I mean, I definitely have fan, uh, family that are chiefs for, uh, fans and they're definitely much more annoying now that they have 
Patrick Mahomes and this dominance, but uh, man, I, uh, I cannot get past Tyreek Hill. What a also Frank Clark. I mean, I don't know what's up with the Chiefs, man. They signed a little well, bunch of A-plus. We don't improve as a society until we hold our own accountable. That's true. You know, um, and right now we don't. It's yeah. always, well, what about that guy? He's worse. Still bad. Yeah. You know, you got you got to hold your own accountable. So uh, yeah. anyway, my half political talk right there. Yeah, God. <laughs> I think that's just more of a, a philosophical talk there. Um, uh, we have Richie Rich coming in here saying Nick and Scott settling a case is different than clearing a case name with Watson. Would that impact both of your opinion of him and our team's players? Do you think that will be a bridge too far? Um, it's going to be an issue for some people. It's going to be not an issue for some others. Um, if the Broncos, let's say this is settled out of court and the Broncos then trade for him. What is the, how, at first, how does that impact the, the value of the trade? Do you have to send as much with everything going on there? I don't know. That's a uh, future. I uh, can't predict that one. Um, but uh, this is the reality of it is if a uh, Broncos trade for him and he flames out with all this stuff going on, he's going to be a big issue and it's going to be the Broncos are like, what are they doing? Horrible decision, blah, blah, blah. But if let's say he settles this out of court, it gets in the rear view and Deshaun Watson comes in and they start winning games. Same with the big Ben stuff in the past, right? It's like, uh, yeah, that's not great. It's a black guy. But we're winning football games. And uh, no. he seems to have grown. He's learned from it. Like the, I can already hear the narratives now. I'm not going to name names, but you, you, you're you're smart fans. You can figure out who I'm talking about. Who has settled out or even been convicted of heinous crimes and come back and been revered for who they became later on in their careers? A lot of guys, but people are forgiving if you're if you're winning. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And a quick shout out here. Um, I wanted to pull this up. Oh man, I let me. One second, find a comment here real quick while I pull this up because I wanted to talk about this before we uh, get Oh, you know what? I saw one earlier at the very beginning. I hope this person's still on because we wouldn't be able to pull it back on. But it was uh, – I had a comment on a comment. It was, uh, you know, oh, pro football focus is great when they're ranking us in the top five, but they don't know what they're talking about when they're ranking us 30, you know, at quarterbacks. I'm like, well, having done rankings and dealt with fan reactions and stuff, I have found that people remember positive and negative more than right and wrong. So – he who ranks us highest at the time is most credible. That's just the way it is. Those guys don't know what they're talking about. Even if they got it right, and he said he wasn't going to be any good. Well, got it right. Doesn't matter. They suck. So it's uh, that was a comment that I thought was uh, that was was pretty funny because it's true. He who ranks us most highly is most credible, and that can fluctuate from day to day. And that is ironic because that's actually what I was going to pull up here. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh... The Broncos, that Pro Football Focus has been going through a bunch of different stuff right now. Um, and somebody said, oh, yeah, we love Pro Football Focus when they're ranking our uh, linebackers top five and our secondary number yeah, that one. Was right, that was right off the top, and it stuck with yep. both of us, I guess. That was in the first five minutes. I wanted to get to this, though. Uh, top secondary units in football per, uh, per Pro Football Focus. Um, interesting stuff here. It's uh, it's a tool, right? Pro Football Focus is a tool. It's not the, the holy book, right? It does not dictate everything, but if you don't want to outright dismiss it completely, I feel like pro football focus, the social media side of things has a, uh, they put out some stuff that is driven by engagement versus the data stuff. So uh, I definitely want to call that out. They're not always like, they're like, Oh, big Ben horrible. But he was like number seven last year in their uh, deep ball, big player, something like that. So like, okay, well you're going against your own stats here, buddy. But um, I thought this was interesting here as far as these off season um, uh, stuff going on here, top secondary units in the NFL per been, Ben Lindsay of uh, Pro Football Focus. Number one, the Denver Broncos. Number two, the Baltimore Ravens. Number three, the Cleveland Browns. Number four, the Buffalo Bills. Number five, the New England Patriots. And uh, 
got to say, it looks pretty good to see the Broncos on top here with Justin Simmons. And uh, I know that the Broncos have a pretty, I don't know. I, I guess I'll go to you real quick. Cause I know we're at our hour now, but uh, what do you think of this list? Um, is it, uh, is this reflect you as well? Also shout out to the AFC top five here, all AFC teams, AFC is uh, looking pretty good this year. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about everybody else's roster, but uh, let's throw it back to last Tuesday when we were talking about one of the questions was which coach could be on the rise uh, up for a promotion. There's a reason why I picked out a third-year coach that's coaching the secondary. This is yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're, when you're looking at him and you're going to have the number one secondary, and if you can get those guys to match, yeah, you spent a lot of money, even less a, a lot of draft capital. That's all right. You still have to get those guys to perform. And uh, the, the the secondary coach is a, a young guy. And if, if he can, if, if you can finish, this is where it starts to up secondary unit in June. If this is the same thing next February, your, your secondary coach is going to be, be on the list for some promotions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's just kind of the nature of it. I do want to say I probably would put the Ravens number one on paper. The Broncos look like the best, but you are talking about a team that might have three new cornerbacks starting in a complicated defense that's very dependent on unspoken communication and guys reading the same thing. It might be a little bit, uh, there might be some ups and downs early on for that Broncos secondary, uh, just because, you know, Kyle Fuller, Patrick Stan, uh, Ronald Darby, all brand new, all guys that they're working through right now to get chemistry and whatnot. But uh, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them. But uh, on that's the, that's the reason I'd probably put the Ravens number one. I'd also probably drop the, the Browns down a spot as well for that same reason, just given how, new that secondary is even though i like a lot what they've done in that back seven but um man uh this is this is good to see for the broncos on paper and uh i don't don't know if he did the rest of them but i'd probably have the falcons dfl so i'd I'd probably have them 32 ah man i uh not great although i really like aj terrell um i think yeah but you know he's he's still young super young and you got a a journeyman and a rookie they're going to be next to him on uh you know at, at at at, at safety and then you know a maybe a corner it's 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 big big question marks again that's why julio wanted out wasn't a win now team people yeah. are saying oh they're drafting kyle pitts it's a win now move it was ridiculous so anyway move yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh this is good to see um really i don't really have any the questions for the broncos secondary on paper are ones that are you know that you can't really do much about it you just have to let it play out um does ronald darby and uh Bryce Callahan, can they stay healthy? Who knows, right? Like that's, we'll, we'll find out. Um, the Broncos depth in the secondary, they drafted Caden Stearns. They drafted Jamar Johnson. Can one of those guys develop to be the Broncos third safety this year and uh, be the guy who, or one of those guys replace Kareem Jackson in 2022. Don't know yet. Um, but I uh, really like this Broncos secondary, the way it's shaping up. Um, it does look like one of the best units in the league. Um, and, uh, you know, they empowered Vic Fangio. Uh, this team, <laughs> will probably go as far as the the quarterback takes them. It's just the reality of it. Um, outside the quarterback position, like everything else, all the other questions are more about like uh, long-term issues, I guess, outside of right tackle. Right tackle, it's, <laughs> if uh, I can't imagine what the right tackle uh, discourse would be if the Broncos had a great known quarterback because it would probably get ugly and repetitive, kind of like it was there for Bulls there for a bit. But uh, that's the reality of it. Um, So, guys, I think that's going to have to do it for us today. Unless any other Super Chats came in while we were talking about that, I don't see any. But uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us today for another episode of Broncos for Breakfast. Oh, I should click on it. There it goes. Broncos for Breakfast. We're coming at you guys live every single Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. 
Mountain Time. Um, we'll be back again next Tuesday as well. Same time, same place. Hopefully you guys will join us. You can find us both on Twitter, Scott at Scout Kennedy and uh, myself at Nick Kendall MHH over on Twitter. Please go uh, follow us. Give us a shout out. Uh, ask us a question. If we didn't get to something in the comment section here, by God, we'll get to you in our Twitter minutes. It'll be a one-on-one conversation. You don't even have to super chat. It, it'll be a good time. Um, but also follow us at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. If you guys are joining us on Facebook today, please click those thumbs up. Uh, we're at 23 right now. I, I did grow up a, a Bulls fan, so if it stays at 23, I won't be that upset. Um, that's that's my first sports memory, honestly. Is uh, Pippin was my favorite, honestly. Um, if you guys join us on YouTube today, please subscribe, like, and share. Um, that can do us a heck of a lot of good. It costs nothing, um, and it helps us a lot. Also, if you're liking and subscribing and sharing to Mile High Huddle, please also go over to Scott's YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. I'm going to drop it in the comment section here as well. So you guys just have to click on that and uh, that'll be great to get on out of here. Oh, and we got air Mason double dipping today with the, uh, the bug, oh, man. I feel like I know that show his picture. Is that teen Titans? Let me know air Mason. Let us know in the comment section. Let us know on Twitter. <laughs> Looks like teen Titans, um, air Mason 14 coming in uh, best podcast. Well, we really appreciate that air Mason, um, Jeremy also coming in here saying, love this show. Thanks for another good one, boys. EJ saying, great show, guys. Smash the like button. Listen to EJ, guys. Smash that like button on the way out. Mo Ron saying, thank you for the show. Have a great day. Peter Middleton saying, thanks, Nick. Um, and uh, thanks to Scott as well. Uh, we got Stephen Barr coming in here also. Stephen, good to see you. Uh, coming in saying, great show, guys. It is Beast Boy. See, I knew it. Uh, <laughs> I feel like my cousins loved that show when I was growing up. So I recognize that one. Also, Speaking of recognition, I want to shout out to all of our super chats uh, today and stars and super stickers, et cetera, et cetera. Muhammad Badri coming in twice. Gary Leeds Palmer with the stars. Peter Middleton in the house. Reese Scott also. Bronco 17 and O. TD Randall. Air Mason twice. Based Gase. Uh, we appreciate all you guys who dropped the uh, showing us some financial love, some financial support to keep us going as well. And uh, Scott, what do you got going the rest of the day? What's 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 new in Georgia? Uh, baseball practice, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's baseball season here. So baseball okay. practice tonight and, uh, trying to dodge the thunder, dodge the thunderstorms. It's mm-hmm. uh, it could be a little rainy today and then getting ready for uh, another baseball weekend. And, uh, someone made a comment. I need to change my, my background of the beach. You know, it's not a bad idea. I'll probably be at the beach in two weeks. So, um, and we'll figure out if we can do something, uh, if we can do that, or if we're going to have to put it on hiatus for a week, or if you're just going to have to replace me. Hopefully I can get my spot back when I, when I get, when I, when I'm out on IR for a week, Scott, I think that, uh, I think the show is doing well enough right now. The engagement has been pretty high. The super chats are coming in, not only good size super chats, but, uh, a lot of different ones as well. We're diversifying the portfolio of the supers. Um, so I think, I think we'll keep you around. I think that, uh, I think we've, I think I've been enjoying the show and it seems like the, uh, the comment section, the community has been responding as well. This is, uh, this this is a fun group. You know, yeah. th- th- this is a fun group. I uh, I don't know. Um, I-, I see some people talk that the the evening after people finish their days, it, c- it can get a little uh, chippy. That's my mom's favorite word. She hates yeah. it actually. It can get a little chippy, but this is a, this is a good group. So uh, you know, we I-, I appreciate the the talk, and uh, you know, I-, I learn as much from y'all as you know. Hopefully, I can I can bring some perspective. So I'm, I'm really enjoying doing this show. And Jeremy's saying it's a weird world when you can get when you can get paid in stickers. You well, must, um, Jeremy, you have kids yet? I mean, come on now. <laughs> you, if you haven't had kids, you, you pay you can pay kids off in imaginary gold stars, let alone <laughs> stickers. Jeez. I was gonna say, as uh, those scratch and sniff stickers when I was in preschool, that was currency. 
right? Like the grape ones, everybody, those, those were worth like a hundred dollar bill. Um, if you get the grape scratch and sniff sticker. Um, but uh, we appreciate you guys. I'll probably, I'm going to try to climb a, to a fire lookout this weekend. They're taking one down, one of the historic ones. They're airlifting it out by helicopter. So it's only going to be there for another two weeks. Um, and it's got a lot of uh, route finding and dangerous snow travel, but uh, God, but I feel alive doing that stuff. So uh, hopefully I'll get out there and uh, stay safe, but uh, hopefully you guys all stay safe as well. Um, we love you all. We'll see you again next Tuesday. Don't or next. Yeah. Next Tuesday. And don't forget to join tonight as well for uh, Chad and Zach for a uh, huddle up podcast as well. I don't want to say the time because they are not always uh, consistent when they go live, um, but uh, they'll be on tonight. Um, you guys stay safe. We'll see you soon uh, and go Broncos.